0: hi everyone i just want to very quickly say um this is the 30th episode of season two the use of starfish cloudcast ysa platform oh my freaking goodness this is like radio say and like i just want to say thank you to everyone for your support um and then not enjoy per se but appreciate i hope you appreciate the podcast episode and you take away a lot and then you learn a lot and yeah l- let's get into it hey hey everyone welcome back to the new episode of radio say you're watching this as a result of the ysa platform i hope you enjoyed this episode uh lots of thoughts on it so enjoy hi everyone um, so today's Thanksgiving for me still, technically. Um, it's, like, it's, like, 9.30 and I, like, been back from all the celebrations. Um, so I'm trying to think, like, I don't know how to frame what I want to talk about today. Um, but I just want to talk about, like, I guess being grateful versus, like, mention somewhat about the history of Thanksgiving. Um, and, like, take note of some really cool people, um... Yeah, like, so this probably will be like a short one, Um, just cause like, like there's not, I don't know, I feel like there's not much I have to say on the topic. But anyways, here's, here's some key points. Um, so my friend Jazz, they have a really cool like, um, like, like subscription or like, I don't know how to describe it, but like it's kind of like an article and you subscribe using the email um, via email, and, like, you get, like, access to, like, really cool, like, like, it's not, like, a blog post, but it's, like, yeah, I guess, like, articles, um, and, like, I saw one related to Thanksgiving, and how, basically, looking for ways to recognize Indigenous people on on this day, and how a lot of American holidays are fraught, and, like, have very, like, murky pasts and, like, I, I saw a really great really great TikTok i believe yesterday that basically spoke about how the culture like part of the fear around teaching racial um, um crit- critical race theory is that it probably would unveil how like disturbing american history is and how the culture is really based on like Really normalizes sociopathy, or is is or is it like um according to this the the creator was white or at least white passing, um so if the creator wasn't white like I'm sorry but like, you know I just wanted to bring reference to the fact that like, <laughs> you know before someone starts being racist <laughs> like hey hold on <laughs> like actually <laughs> like um but like, the creator was basically saying how like, the culture of the US itself is basically a clear sociopathic culture, one that normalizes and kind of contributes and enables sociopathic ideas to spread. And I was like, wow, that's, like, such a great, like, really, at least really cool and interesting analysis of America. Obviously, some people might find that really offensive, but the context in which this creator was talking about was basically how the history of racism... And the history with violence inflicted on people, um, who are marginalized, um, f- from marginalized communities, is just so systematic. But there's also been such physical expressions of it, like how there's, for example, picnics, are basically come from like, like celebrations of like lynchings, which is basically people gathering together to eat and enjoy and celebrate and commit murder (laughs) together and celebrate that and that's how like the picnics originated from in american culture which is like so scary and crazy when we say it like that but like like and it's just like the fact that that's like the history of it it's like insane um and it's but like i think it's a good way to phrase it because i feel like it brings back the humanity of like not brings back but like spotlights like yeah because like humanity was always present it's just often shielded in like layers of racism and racist theories and like stereotypes or whatever or other racist tactics to like minimize and dehumanize um poc people of color and like specifically black people indigenous people but this is something that happens to like all people of color just so that we know this um in the, because we're talking about the history of the nation, I'm going to talk about stuff that I'm at least aware of and in connection, and I'm going to try and connect it to, to, to um, what's happening today, Thanksgiving. And so we kind of, like, in American culture, there's a lot of celebrations culturally of, like, really, like, bad times in history. And then, and when, so then when we talk about, like, maybe we shouldn't celebrate Columbia, um, Columbus maybe we should take down a statue of Columbus like like the, part of the reason people scream, you no know, it's tradition it's culture is because on some like subconscious level their cult they recognize that their culture is so deeply interlinked with racism but of course the word racism sounds really bad so like they're gonna try and like people will try and like shoulder and be like no it's not racism it's not like it's not but like people who are like are committed to having confederate flags or like having uh, like the the statue of Columbus up, really showcase how committed they are to their culture of like like violence and racism, and like how they're not willing to let go of it because culture informs who we are, but also gives us identity, and like like it's if who are we if we aren't like the culture that we've been raised in. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, it, to strip people of their culture is to really create a form of social death, which is what I've learned in my racial capitalism class, towards social death, which is basically when you strip people of knowledge of their g- genealogy, their language, their culture, like, you strip them so deeply of their humanity, and you, like, when you dispossess people of that, their identity, they become more powerless, and it's in a way to further control them and further influence them. And so sometimes when we're taking apart racist structures, it can feel as though um, we're dispossessing some white Americans, perhaps even a lot of white Americans, of their cultural experience of being an, a white American. Um, and this isn't to say that white Americans have a... Like, a, like how can I say this? I, I've... Argued in the past that like like the, perhaps white Americans don't have their own distinctive culture, um, but there is a, a an intersection of identity there that produces a certain reality, um where there's American culture and being white Americans being stripped of their American culture, um and being stripped of, and while we try and dismantle what, supremacy, like can be probably feel like an attack on the uh, identity if that makes sense it's really so when i say white american culture i don't really mean i don't really mean to suggest that like white americans have a unifying culture around the country that does that like that up here people of color do not participate or in, actively involved in does that make sense like so when you're discussing the phenomenon of like white Americans is really talking about more of an intersection of identity and how that relates to the culture of being an American and the culture of white supremacy slash western culture. Does that make sense? Like that's kind of like that little in- intersection of experience rather than like an actual distinctive culture. Um, for example uh, just to rehash and if you haven't seen our episode like there's New England culture there's white American culture and white like Southern culture there we go that's the word there's Southern culture there's like there's probably culture in the Midwest there's culture in the big cities there's culture in the countryside there's culture depending on your area that shifts dramatically there's the unifying American culture of capitalism and like what was described as the video of like racism etc etc all these systems of oppression but so there's that unifying U.S. culture. And then there's Western culture that extends across, like, all of Europe and even to Australia and, like, South Africa. Like, where, where every white person across the world probably is in some way connected to this Western culture. But there isn't, like, white American culture that is, like, a culture that is distinctly unique to white Americans. But there is an identity intersection of being white and being American, and then how that influences your worldview and the way you interact with these multiple different cultural experiences. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, white Americans experience American culture, white Americans experience Western culture, and white Americans experience culture of their region, but there isn't a unifying white American culture. But there is an identity experience. Does that make sense? It's like yeah. I hope I, I hope I make sense with that. Like it's kinda a uh, yeah, like it's kinda like talking about um, I don't know how well how else to explain this. Cause like, yeah, that's the best I can do. Because if I try this with making examples with other people, they are like there is distinctive queer culture. There is distinctive Black culture, there is this all Black American culture. There is um like distinct cultures cr- across like the African diaspora. The the um, there's a distinct like cultural experience of being indigenous in America, of being indigenous in Australia, of and it's just also a distinct like experience of and as an identity of being indigenous regardless of where you're located. And there's a distinct experience of identity of being Black, regardless of where you're located. So, like, but, like, those identity experiences are different to cultural experiences. Or different to having a culture. But, like, they can inform, they do inform the way you you view things. And they can, like, interact with each other. Yeah. But anyways, (laughs) um, got a little sidetracked. Um. But yeah, it was it was a very interesting conversation. Hopefully, I'll get be able to link it down below. Um, I guess something else I wanted to talk about was how, yeah, the Thanksgiving is just one of those other holidays that is fraught with violence, um, and it's basically it celebrates this like myth myth or this idea that like even though Indigenous people were colonized, that they decided to come together um (laughs) and like like hang out with their colonizers and like eat and like make peace and have a peaceful lunch slash dinner or some sort of meal time and that is what we're celebrating with thanksgiving um and there's something really weird about celebrating that because at least its function in society is very interesting to analyze (laughs) because let's say let's say it's real like which it's something I really doubt it's 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 just like and also indigenous people wouldn't be in wrong to do that but also I doubt that like just because of how violent colonialism is like I really doubt there was a time when they like <laughs> let's all sit together and love each other for like a meal like <laughs> I really doubt that but like let's say this this supposed meal did take place um it's kind of like it reminds me of, like, the teachings of, like, Gandhi and Nelson Mandela and, like, Martin Luther King. Like, that, like, peaceful protest and, like, make peace with your, like, like colonizers, um, essentially. And forgive them and stuff like that. And find a way to peacefully talk to them. Um, and there's, like, something interesting about that philosophy being kind of co-opted and used as, like, somehow proof that like it wasn't as bad as it was or that like see you can all come together and as if it kind of like minimizes the the way it's like celebrated it being celebrated it's kind of used as a way to like minimize the atrocities that were t- that were uh, against indigenous people and kind of frame this as like a equal misunderstanding and equal feud which it wasn't (laughs) it really was not at all equal on the same level and to frame it in such a way as that is to kind of like really minimize like like the like just a disgusting history of it all um into like kind of paint it in a better light and it also kind of like plays into this theme or this idea that if we want racial equality or if we want like like, do you want, race? I want, like, basic, I want emancipation, like, well, I, I want, like, abolition of racist structures, and I want, um, like, freedom, <laughs> like, like, and I want um, my, I want my country to, like, no longer <laughs> have to deal with, um, con- new, new modern forms of colonialism, um, and for, like, African countries to not longer be extracted from and from indigenous people to have their land, like I um, like you know, I guess what I want can be a little extreme for some people, but um, but you know, I those are the things I want. But like, let's say, let's say racial equality is a goal, because I don't like the word equality, because it's like it suggests that like the problem is like that that people of color don't have the same ability or access or means to exploit others which to me that's not the problem like like, the problem is that exploitation is taking place period like like and so that's why because when the word equality is like if you frame equality as like being able to have the same ability to gain wealth and exploit others as like say other statistically speaking um then to me that doesn't like no that's not really like we haven't sold pro- equality that's not we we, ad- we have we haven't we have really solved equality and also equality kind of works in this weird like void where it's like it kind of ignores that like that like wealth can be accumulated or that people have intersectional identities but that like sometimes some people just need more support than others. And there's nothing wrong with the fact that like we might need different levels or different types of support. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and so like I feel like the word equality kinda like ignores that like, nuance in this world. And like and so that's when we talk about equality, it's like interesting that like, like it's like an interesting conversation just because it's like like it kind of like what what do we mean by the word policy is is does everyone agree like that we want freedom from exploitation overall or do people want the freedom to exploit regardless of their race regardless of their gender um regardless of their sexuality you know what i mean <laughs> like it's like that doesn't yeah <laughs> like yeah that's and and cuz then i guess that because then if we were to create equality like that it just means that the people we extract wealth from and the people we exploit become more diverse is that what we're just fighting for for greater diversity and who we extract from <laughs> like because like, i don't i don't i don't like that like, like i want freedom from all structures of oppression mm. <laughs> and i don't please cause depression but yeah anyways let's continue <laughs> um, so like so yes, like Thanksgiving is just really weird and it's kind of also like kind of like pushes this idea that like, ugh, yeah you know the only the only reason we're not all peaceful right now is because we're not like all integrated and we're all not like loving each other and you just need people of color when they're complaining they just need shush, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is annoying because they are real systemic issues that are taking place that are just going to be shielded from people because american racism is systemic and it works in such a way in modern times to shield itself as much as possible it's like very it's like veiled like veiled like i there's a really good phrase for it in one of my notes or one of the the things i had to read for class um it was like basically failed like it's, like, veiled primitive accumulation. It's, like, it's like covered up. It's, like, all neat and like, oh, like, you know what I mean? Like, America also has a problem with poverty and, like, homelessness. But, like, the real difference between, like, like, big cities that, like, look nice and seem so affluent and cities that, big cities that don't look as affluent is that the government in the, the affluent cities have gotten better at disguising the poverty, or hiding it, or shielding it, through, like, um, what's it called, again, h- harsher policing, through, um, like, anti- homeless architecture, through more taxing, more extraction from the people living in those areas, like, and so, like, for example, like with, and with, like, with every big city, there has to be, like, an underclass Fueling it and working it so that the privilege can live on the top, you know. So Cape Town is like really interesting. It's exactly when people are like, oh, Cape Town is so beautiful. Cape Town's amazing. Yes, it is technically more developed, but at the same time, the gov- the the government of Western Cape, a Ta- Western Cape, like the people in charge of Western Cape, the DA, are just better at like shielding the like the poverty problem because it's also the city with the greatest level of inequality in all of South Africa. And so when West so when people in South Africa, when people of Western case specifically make claims like or oh, I really, really, really think we sh- Western Cape should become separate from South Africa because look how good Cape Town's doing and the rest of the country which has the ANC, sucks. The beautiful thing about the ANC is that even if they're flawed, I'm not saying they're amazing, they're deeply flawed, don't get me wrong, is <laughs> that like, which by the way, let's not act as if like white majority governments aren't flawed because I feel like, because it's worth noting that the ANC is the first black. Majority government we've had, um, and I really hate like the the message that's like brought forward that if a government is being led by African people or Black people, that's why we're falling apart. You know, I remember in like as I was attending a Zulu class, at my like privileged school. And, like, the black kids in the class were, like, all talking about how there was this new, like, message circulating. And one of the, one of the racist apartheid architectures of apartheid, like, I, I he doesn't even deserve for me to say his name, um, but it's, like, one of the names. He r- basically wrote a phrase talking about how, like, like, oh... The reason we can't give this country, South Africa, to black people is because if we do, they'll ruin it and it'll burn and it will go badly and they don't know how to take care of it, which ba- ba- which basically is what it, a really racist statement. Um, it's deeply racist. And also, I think the analysis of modern day ANC is that yes, the ANC has its flaws, but let's not act as if the apartheid government it was not flawed, it was deeply flawed. Their racist system was too expensive. It bankrupts the country. The apartheid government gave a bankrupt country to like black pe to black people to like now fix. You know what I mean? Like let's now like or people of color to now fix. Like let's not act as if the country they were giving to to the ANC was like fine, you know what I mean? It was bankrupt. It was appalling and we were separated from the world our all of our all of our like what's it called man? like our companies were like separated from the world our sports teams separated from the world you know what i mean now in modern day south africa we can like at least get like <laughs> like in, if you go to the uk you can find a Nando's, which by the way would have never been possible underneath the apartheid regime we can now win sports world cups we can now have the rugby world cup win you know what i mean and it's like but it's not just that. Like I'm trying to think of things that like benefits, white people, and it's hard to do that because I'm not white. I'm thinking about like I'm not gonna lie to you. I only know what benefits like, as a black South African who has seen how like the horrific aftermath of apartheid and seen how it's completely shifted our structures. I mean, I'm out of it. I was not born during the time, but I can see it just like just in the, like, the way, like, just living life, you can just see it, like, you know what I mean, or even if you can't see it, if you were to read a book or two, you would see it, like, you know what I mean, like, I feel like if you really can't see it, you're not reading nearly enough, you know what I mean, just, like, read, like, you don't need to read too many books to, to see it, like, you know what I mean, <laughs> you just need, like, read one, <laughs> like, you know, um, but, like, yeah, or <laughs> we'll take, literally take South African history and, like, like I don't know. I guess there's more you could do. Maybe maybe I'm just seeing it because I'm, I, I study theory so deeply, um, <laughs> but yeah, it is it is a real issue, and it's 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 hard to tackle. And also, when I mentioned people's races, I just want to be clear. Um, I love everyone, <laughs> which I always hate saying this because it sounds really cheesy. Um, but like I'm really I'm not trying to attack or like persons or individuals i'm rather talking about like the way groups of people function historically and the way groups of people function today because of the privilege they experience because of history does that make sense it's more like it's more like it's like me like and it's like yeah like i have to talk about like The I have to name and label each group of person in order to more, like, appropriately express why more like not appropriately but more succinctly express why they're experiencing privilege and like like you know what I mean and why there's this discrep discrepancy. I want to say that I like I want to remind everyone like (laughs) that like. There is like mentioning people's race. There, there's no hatred in me mentioning people's race or mentioning a group of people's race and mentioning how certain races or certain groups of people benefit or have greater privilege than others. Um, there, there's nothing wrong, and that's like there's nothing wrong in doing that. I think it can be hard to like decipher though because we've like kind of like learned growing up that don't like in order to treat people equally we need to ignore people's races which like if you've been following me for like a long time now you know that we don't subscribe to that doctrine this, i don't that's like that's kind of like a like a. it's just a way to shove things underneath the rug and and it actually doesn't address like some of the knee-jerk reactions or knee-jerk stereotypes or like some of the like Like, some things we can't always, like, we can't always fully control the fact that, like, we grew up in a, like, the way we grew up and what we were taught growing up, you know? And so actively having to, like, rework everything you learned as a kid and everything you've, you're still constantly being told by the outside world is hard work. It is difficult. Like, I do recognize that it's difficult it's necessary work but it's like i recognize that it's difficult so i do if you end up feeling like offended during this podcast episode i do want to let you know that like this is less of a tap on your human on your humanity or your identity but it's rather an analysis of ways of groups of people are functioning in today's society because of history and because of present day situations and experiences yeah people of color are still experiencing oppression today, like, through, like, redlining, through, like, through, um, what's the other, there's another word for it, um, gentrification as well, um, through also, like, policing, higher high policing certain areas. If you, the problem with, like, a lot of this theory is that, like, I have context without, like, like, reading the stuff that I read, without the amount of knowledge I have, it is going to sometimes like shock your system and it's like it's like hard to condense the amount of work that i've done into like like simple to digest and easy to understand concepts um but like (laughs) because it's it it is it's a lot of work and it's like there's this like weird expectation and debates for like people who well not debates but even conversations for like people who are very educated to quick quick, quickly to condense everything they've learned in such a way that like people don't get lost and that's like really hard to do but um but basically um yeah like high policing in certain areas will obviously lead to finding more crime in that area like if there's just more police officers and there's more check-ins or check-ups in certain areas and it's not an equal amount of police officers and like all the police officers are actually not proportionate to like the population. You know, if, if there had to be a difference in like police sizes, it should be proportionate to population. You know? But if there are certain areas that end up being more like police and those areas happen to be POC areas. And also if they end up being like even more rules <coughs> for PFC, for people of color, or changing rules or increases in rules, and then, like, there isn't that same, like, linear increase for all people, regardless of, like, race or, like, like experience. Like, (coughs) of course you'll just find more crimes being broken. And I think if you see in a certain area there's a lot of crime being happening, I think a good question is those to ask, does the police does the state make money from the all the crimes that are being committed and like because if you're finding that like 70 plus percent of the population that is being heavily policed is doing crime and you're making money from that crime and the rules are adjusting always then perhaps like that's a sign of policing for profits And that's less of a proof that like POC are deserving of that hyper like surveillance. Like I like I because I think always a good question to ask is that like if there's a greater increase in policing in that area for whatever reason, does that does does that greater policing ultimately lead to greater income? Like does it? If it does, then the system is flawed. Period. <laughs> like, like, if it's leading to greater, in- and you also, and if you also find that, like, it's POC areas only, and then, like, like are hyper-policed, and then they, they earn more money through that hyper-policing, it's just, it's a good, it's a good question to ask yourself. Um, but yeah, like, there's just, there's just multiple things that kind of lead, or that, that's still happening today, that kind of further make POC or people's people's lives more difficult than it needs to be um and so yeah I guess back to Thanksgiving um uh, I guess my question became for today is like how do I recognize like indigenous people- spe- specifically and how do I like show some support while also like I guess taking place in like Taking part in an American holiday because I am an international student. And so that weird intersection of identity is interesting because I would not be going to the college I'm going to today and learning about racial capitalism, learning about like discrimination, learning about indigenous people in America the way I am without the land being stolen. I'm like, and so. It's it's, it's it's so unfortunate to see how, like, my privilege to just be educated on this was initially enabled by an act of violence of, against people, another group of people of colour, against Indigenous people. And I think back to how, like, highways go through, like, like I was having a really cool, interesting conversation with like people I really respect, um, (laughs) how like basically the highway was constructed through ripping through like a neighborhood, like a neighborhood had to like, basically be a a whole neighborhood of people had to be displaced in order for that new highway to be built. And now there's a structure in place that helps so many people get to work, get to new places, like get to places on time, get things delivered, get like better like access to healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. But like all of these benefits that are enabled through this physical structure have was a result of violence um that had to be taking place against someone else. And so then the question is if is there a way to remove the structure without displacing a new group of people? And should we displace a new group of people is is justice? Does justice mean displacing that new group of people who the land did not originally belong to? And I think that's an interesting conversation for us as Africans to think about in terms of the land debates. Cause land is like very interesting in South Africa as well, and I think that definitely influences some of my ideas. Um, like I uh, it's just yeah, like <laughs> there's just so much there. Like like I like to think. If the American dream is that through hard work you can become successful, I would say the South African dream is land. Like, it's to own and possess land. You know what I mean? Like, and like, I think it's like there isn't really, like, yeah, like, and I think if you were to read, like, um, I've forgotten what it's called, like, there's a specific genre of literature of South African literature called like I think, oh gosh, I would have to Google it. But like, <laughs> my other like device is dead. But essentially, there's this like section of like South African literature. I'll put in a comment like in the description below, and it's like about like farm life in South Africa, and like, and we always like have some sort of conflict about farm life, and traditionally that like that genre of literature in south africa would like glamorize, glamorize farm life and it kind of reminds me of how like this like a lot of american literature that's considered like really like well done will like often talk about this dichotomy between like poverty and wealth and like or like we'll talk about racism or we'll, like talk like always about like the rich versus the poor or the poor trying to become rich with rich that is at risk of becoming poor like it's like it's like that like this is very distinctive aspects of like classical American literature of it like very much being associated with class warfare and class or like if not class warfare specifically some sort of like us versus them or us becoming them or like that kind of dynamic but it's usually like identity groups of class warfare i think class warfare is the best descriptor because even if it's not like uh an economic class it's like a racial class or like you know what i mean like yeah class warfare is the best statement for that um and like i guess yeah if you want to support indigenous people so something i ended up doing because i read the um So the article by Jazz, thank you Jazz, is I ended up donating today. Um, And I'm not saying this is like gross or whatever. Obviously, I'm privileged enough to have a job on campus that provides me with enough money to donate. So obviously, like, do what you can. And, you know, even a tweet about some, like tweet about the fact that like, it's indigenous people they mentioned on your story like i know like social media activism can sometimes feel so weak and meaningless but honestly i like it helps really it really does help reconstruct the world because like i've been re-watching a lot of y2k on movies and shows back in the day like and like i was starting to realize just how insensitive and like look like not even Loki, like what hella racist they were like it was that like like oh, God, oh my gosh like, like and it's just it, like it makes me think how much our world has changed and our world has changed in part because social media does give an a platform for people of colors voices to be heard more clearly and for greater activism and greater connections to take place even in real life but also online and so like we're having conversations like radical ideas are being pushed through at a much faster rate than we could have ever thought of like if you think back to like before the 2015 like black lives matter movement like the conversations around like carceral capitalism and like and the conversations about like how to police for reform then you come to, like, 2020s, like, Black Lives Matter, and you hear people start saying on, like, a large basis, a large following of people start speaking out about, we don't just need police reform, per se, we actually need abolition of the police. You know what I mean? I, like, I just feel though so, like, maybe I'm not, like, maybe I would have to study the, like, the length of time the activism groups and, like, knowledge becomes more persuasive. But, like, I really do think we're really, leaning, like 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 the access to theory has become so much more accessible and so i think i think even just tweeting about it reminding people like hey oh today's thanks like today's thanksgiving but today's also a day that we should remember indigenous people and we should like consider that like it might sound small and obviously i'm not an indigenous person so i'm only speaking from my experience as a black african <laughs> <laughs> but like or as a black person um but yeah like i guess i do think even small 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 acts of activism is better than silence does that make sense that being said small acts of uh, activism can be really annoying when it's like actually doesn't direct people towards education or you know what i mean i think like, the worst small act of activism was the Black Squares um, to show support for Black Lives Matter. Um, That felt really dumb. (laughs) Like, I wouldn't even lie to you. It did. um, Even though it did spread the word about Black Lives Matter. So, like, it does have its function, I guess. But if you can, if you want to go a step above and beyond, I think tweeting articles can really help, I think. Like putting the spotlight on indigenous creators, um, can really help as well. I'll tag some um in the comments below, or oh, not in the comments. <laughs> I'll tag some in the description below. I need to remember everything that I said. i to tag, um, but yeah, like I yeah, <laughs> so like, yes, like I think even small acts of, of like activism is really good, and really helpful. I guess I ended up spending the day. This probably was the first time I I was in America, and I felt like I was having like really good food from the start of the day to the end. And um, it was actually very interesting to see that, like, like I think like and it was like real. I think it might have been the best food I've had here. Like, and it's like so I can see why there is like a greater desire to like keep. This part of the culture intact. but I do wish that like, I think a very simple way to change it would be like to just like rename it indigenous recognition day. And then during the day, you should also like part of the cultural experience should be like you should be encouraged to like 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 volunteer or donate or like do some artwork. Well, I don't know, like do something in remembrance of, in, not just in remembrance, because they're still here, like, like, but like in, like, in like acknowledgement, that's the better word, in acknowledgement of Indigenous people. Um, and yeah, and in remembrance of the fact that colonialism has taken place and is still taking place, but in a different form, um, in, in just newer forms. Um and that needs to be protested against, that needs to be stopped, that needs to be actively analyzed and actively deconstructed. So, <laughs> I guess those, those are my thoughts. Take care, do take the time to express, express gratitude. I actually recommend expressing gratitude every single day if you can. I know it sounds so cheesy, but I have this book, and I struggle with it. Um, I have this book called Goals and Gratitude, I uh, got it from Typos Africa. Um, not me plugging typo for free, but like, it, no, it's really, it's a really good book. Um, hopefully you sell it again next year because like, I really want it again. Um, once i am done with, like once I've filled up all the pages, but like, yeah, like, oh, just like a little notebook. You don't necessarily need this one. Just like a space to like talk about what you're grateful for. I think can be really grateful, like can be really great and can be really healing um, and so yeah, I'm grateful for, like, finding a home, I'm grateful for being able to get an education, I'm grateful for the people in my life, um, and the people I was able to spend time with today, I'm grateful for my family, and, um, and if you're, like, don't have anyone to be grateful with or for, I know that can be very difficult, I know, um, I was, struggling with a lot of emotions recently so it kind of felt like I didn't have much to be grateful for but no I do hope you have the opportunity to like if not lean on to anyone else physically to like use like interact online to find like someone you really connect with you know maybe google thanksgiving alone maybe it'll make you feel like more comforted by someone who's able to talk about that experience um and i'm guessing i haven't googled it myself um take the time to work on yourself if you can um like take the time to rest because and rest resting is such a privilege and if you can do it i recommend it um yeah like much much love to everyone i hope you're, you're all safe i hope you're all doing okay um my socials will be in the description as always so if you would like support if you do want to talk to someone i'm mostly here um yeah thank you everyone for listening and yeah thank you so much okay bye (laughs) that brings us to an end of this episode everything that i'm speaking about is linked down below and i really hope you guys have enjoyed this episode and let me know what your thoughts are i'll be linking our socials in the description below until next time ciao